Hey guys, welcome to Home Church Scotland. I'm Pastor Dave and welcome to our weekly podcast. Guys, if you're encouraged by what you hear today, why not check out our social medias? Just search for Home Church Scotland. Or why not subscribe to our YouTube channel where all of our services are live and in full for you to enjoy at your listening pleasure. God is good, amen. Please take your seats. It's just so great to be here this morning. If you're visiting for the first time, uh, I just hope that you feel a warm welcome. Actually, it's quite warm in here anyway, isn't it? Uh, we've had this incredible weather, which seems warm one minute, and then the next minute you're getting a downpour. And it's just crazy. But as my little grandson said, it is Scotland, Granddad. <laughs> so he knows, and we get used to that. But praise God, he never changes. Amen. So it's a privilege and an honour just to be here with you this morning to be able to just uh, share the Word of God, something that's been on my heart. Now, wasn't last Sunday morning, wasn't Pastor Dave's message amazing? Amen? Come on. It was great. It was fantastic. And so I felt a little bit sort of, how am I going to follow that? But the thing is that Pastor Dave asked me to speak before last Sunday, and I'd already prepared a word, and it's kind of following on in the same theme of what he shared last week. And I've entitled it, The Battle is the Lord's. Amen. Amen? Because I'm pretty sure, it'd be unusual if it's not the case, that within the room this size, there are going to be a few people going through battles. Am I right? You know, we go through battles in life. We go through difficult challenges and situations. Some of them perhaps are relational Some are perhaps with our families, for instance. Some are financial. Some are perhaps employment issues. There might be all sorts of issues with teenage children, perhaps, you know, and things like that. Perhaps children we brought up in the way of the Lord and they're no longer walking with Him. And we're having to continually battle through stuff. Perhaps it's sickness. You know, it's ill health. So each and every one of us, I imagine, is going through some kind of battle. So what I want to do this morning is to turn to the Word of God, because the Word of God is amazing, isn't it? Because we have all the answers there. And we can see from the Word of God how we can win our battles. So if you're happy with that, you've got your Bibles, got your apps, whatever it is that you've got, we're going to turn uh, in our Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is very, very well known. But I want to speak through the story as we go. And I I really believe that some people here this morning are going to get their breakthrough. Amen. Now, if you have that already in your heart, that seed of faith, begin to believe that as the Word of God comes through this morning, that you're going to be released in, in whatever you need to be released into in your situations, whatever that is. Amen. Okay, so we're going to read from verse 1 of 2 Chronicles 20. And we're looking at Jehoshaphat. It says, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are at Hazazon Tamar, that is Engedi, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. 
from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Okay, so let's have a look at who this guy is, Jehoshaphat. Some of you are new Christians, I know that. So we're gonna just explore that this morning and give a little bit of background before we get into the meat of what I wanna say. Now you'll probably remember the children of Israel were in captivity in Egypt for 400 years. And then Moses, God raised up this man called Moses to bring them out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land, which is Canaan, which we now know as Israel. And so the, they'd been in captivity for many, many years. And they started off having, when they arrived into Canaan, they started having judges. They appointed judges to keep the law in order and make sure everything was done properly and according to God's law. And then they decided they wanted a king. So they had Saul as their first king. David, you'll know well, even if you don't know your Bibles that well, King David wrote the Psalms, or some, many of them. And then Solomon, who was the son of David. Then things went pear-shaped. And there was all sorts of infighting and, and all sorts of things happened. And there's 12 tribes of Judah, named after the 12 children. And the 10 tribes that settled in the land of Canaan, they split and became what was known in the Old Testament as Israel. And the other two tribes, which was Judah and Benjamin, which Jerusalem was their capital, they were in the south. And they had a king over both. And those kings didn't get on. So they were always fighting each other. And Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of the southern kingdom. He was the fourth one to reign. Now he was a good man. He was a godly man. And he actually had a treaty with Israel, the northern kingdom, to make sure that they didn't go into battle. Wasn't a good thing actually, because he made the treaty with King Ahab and wicked Queen Jezebel, who you probably know about. But anyway, he made that treaty and he then went, he sent the priests all the way through the land and they were teaching the law, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, teaching them to the people in villages and towns and everybody in the Southern Kingdom turned to God and were worshiping one God, not false gods like in the North. And so it was a time of peace. It was a time of rest. It's a time when there were no battles and no threats. And then in the middle of that time of peace, guess what? Men came to the King Jehoshaphat and said, hey, there's a huge army and they're coming our way. How many know that sometimes we can be having the most peaceful time, everything's going well, then boom, something happens. It comes out of the blue. And you know, sometimes we see the devil in everything, but actually he's in quite a lot. And when he comes against us, it can be through all sorts of people and friends that we thought we had or family members or situations we thought were safe and, and, and peaceful and suddenly it comes in and we know if we're following Christ that we're gonna be in a battle and we're gonna be under attack. If anybody told you different, they didn't tell you the truth. When you follow Jesus, it's the best thing you could ever do, but you're gonna be in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. But the great thing is, we know he's already won the war. Jesus won the war on Calvary and we're just enforcing the victory that Jesus has already won in our lives, amen? Okay, so that's a little bit of a background. Now what we want to see is how did King Jehoshaphat react to the news? 
that a whole army was coming against him. Verse three says, then Jehoshaphat was afraid. Fear is a natural thing. And when things go against us, we can be fearful. That's often our initial human reaction. And you shouldn't criticise him for that because I'm sure every single one of us has had that initial reaction of fear. I'm thinking that seven years ago, uh, when Bev was diagnosed with cancer, the first reaction I had was fear. I had fear for her, her health, her future, our family, the treatment, all of these things that were gonna happen. I was fearful initially. And then I think what happens is that you begin to turn your eyes to the only one that can actually help, God. And God came through and now she's a cancer survivor. Amen. Amen. So fear's fine at the first instance, but then we need to do something else. And, you know, the fact is that Jehoshaphat was fearful because he acknowledged there was a problem. How many of us have gone through a situation we just refuse to acknowledge that there's a problem? Until we first acknowledge there's a problem, how can we ever refer it to God to help us? You know, we can't cover it up, put it under the carpet, pretend it's not happening. It is happening. Whatever your situation is, it is real. And we know that. And we wouldn't discount that. But fear then should lead to other positive things, which we can see from the Scriptures. So the king was fearful. He admitted there was a problem. What did he do then in verse 3? He set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So he turned to God. Other people who don't have Christ sometimes turn to other things. Sometimes they turn to meditation or yoga or other Eastern religions or Eastern practices or they might even turn to drugs or alcohol or whatever it is. Let me tell you this morning, the only one we can turn to in crisis is the one who can do something about it and his name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. He turned to God. Now, we're not going to talk about fasting. That's a whole subject that we can look at another time. But the thing is, it then says the people came together as one. I cannot stress to you this morning the importance of unity. Amen? In a church like this and in churches throughout this country, throughout the world, the churches that are making a difference in their communities, seeing people come to know Christ as Lord and Saviour, churches that are growing are churches that are in unity. Because the scripture says in Psalm 133, it says, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. So where there is disunity, guess what? No blessing. So can I just encourage you as you're going through individual battles, as we as a church probably will continue to go through battles, is to protect unity. And where there is unity, Satan won't like it because he wants to see this church nullified. He wants to see this church closed. He doesn't want to see this church prosper in any way in reaching out to souls in this town and area. 
So we have to guard our hearts. Be careful that criticism doesn't creep in because that brings disunity. Be careful that negativity doesn't creep in. The people that we see in Judah, they were as one. How could they not win against this great army if they were in unity? Just be careful of your hearts, friends. And if a critical spirit, something just wells up, deal with it, all right? We want this church to go forward in unity. And let me just say, unity doesn't mean uniformity. We don't have to all be the same. We're all different, okay? But just keep your heart right before God and say, look, you know, whatever happens, even if I perhaps don't agree with one or two things that might be going on or they don't suit me, for the sake of Christ and his kingdom, I'm gonna press forward with these people that I love and we're gonna take this nation for Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's read on. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. When we're in a crisis, in a battle, we need to pray. And there's a way to pray, okay? If you wonder, like, how on earth do I pray? You may want to write this down or note this down. This is the way Jehoshaphat prayed, and this is the way that he won his battle. So the first thing, he acknowledges the greatness and the goodness of God. He declares his greatness. And as he declared that, it seems like faith would rise. Yes, we'd forgotten how great God was. He is great. And then he says... Did you not, O God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? So having declared the greatness of God, he then begins to declare what God has done in the past. It's good to give thanks and remembrance to answered prayer. Has God helped you in the past? Yeah. So in your prayer, Declare the greatness of God. Declare what he's done in your life before. And then you see faith is beginning to rise. And then in verse eight, and they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying that if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. Again, that's a declaration of God's promise because that really is a summary of 2 Chronicles 7 when King Solomon dedicated the temple. This is what he said. So it's good to declare the word of God over your situation and the promises of God. And then, fourthly, the king set out the issue. So he says, And now, behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Now, God didn't need an explanation from the king as to the problem. 
Because guess what? God knows everything. He not only knows your situation, your struggles, He knows your heart, He knows the words you're going to speak before they're on your tongue. It says that in His Word. He knows everything. He knows when you sit down and when you, sit, you get up, He knows when you go out and you come in. He knows everything. He knows the motives of your heart. He knows your situation. But there's something in asking in prayer. We have to ask. God won't just swoop in and do something for us unless we ask. And we can think about that. You remember when the, we, recently we heard about Jesus met the man by the pool of Bethesda. And he'd been there for many, many years lying there, wanting to be healed. And Jesus said, do you want to be made well? I mean, the guy's lying there for years. Jesus knows that. He's been there before, probably. And, and then he asked him, do you want to be made well? Think of Bartimaeus, the blind man. I mean, he comes up to Jesus. He's obviously blind. And Jesus says, what would you have me do for you? You see, you have to ask. And then you receive. That's the way it works. God is sovereign, but because he's given us free will, he won't act in our situation until we ask him to. Then he will. So don't just assume that everything's going to be wonderful and in the crisis, God is going to come and just sort it out. Get on your knees. Begin to pray. Begin to ask God and then he can act. So very quickly, let's just go over those four points. When you're praying in your situation, acknowledge the greatness of God Declare what God has done in the past. State the promises of God over your life. And then tell God what the problem is and what you want him to do. What happens next? Verse 13. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord. I, I love this. This, is, this really touches me. With their little ones and their wives and their children. You think the whole of the nation is there, all vulnerable, all in the same predicament. Massive army coming towards them. And then it says, And the Spirit of God came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benani, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph. Sons of Asaph were the worship leaders in the temple. And he said, so he stands up, this little fellow, he's not even a, a prophet, but the Holy Spirit has come on him. He stands up in the middle of everyone in the nation, and he says, listen, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Can you imagine addressing the king like that? Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. I want to say that again this morning. The battle is not yours, it's God's. The minute that you hand it over to him, it becomes his battle. If you hold on to it, it's your battle. What's the chances of you winning your battle? Probably zero. What's the chances of God winning your battle? 100%. Why on earth do we strive and struggle and stress over situations we're coming across when we can just give it to him? We give it to the sovereign Lord, who's almighty, he's able to come and resolve every situation. He can heal every sickness. He can, he can heal every heartache. He can come in into your situation because he's God. So don't fight your battles. Let God fight your battles. 
Let me read about what God says through the worship leader. This is the plan. This is not their plan. It's God's plan now. Verse 16. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeriel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Amen. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. What an amazing plan. It's God's plan. Now, God gives the king and the people a heads up on what's going to happen because God knows everything. He saw the army, he saw how big they were, he saw their intentions. But then God said, look, this is the plan. You go down as if you're going to fight, but then just stand firm, because I'm going to fight for you, which is an amazing thing. You see, they were fearful, but now God was saying, I want you to be a people of faith. You're not gonna stay in your city and hide behind the walls while I fight the battle. You're gonna face your challenge head on. You're going to face your difficulty head on. You're going to face your situation that you didn't want to face head on. You need to do that because as you step out in faith, God then comes and does the work for you. And often we are hiding away somewhere, praying, God, would you help me? Would you help me? Would you help me? And he can help you in that situation. But the chances are he's going to say, look, you've acknowledged the problem. Now go and face it. Face it head on. I'm going to be with you. Uh, There's a good reason, I think, why fear not appears 71 times in the Bible. It's because you can't be a person of faith and a a person of fear. It It doesn't work. It's one or the other. And God gives us an opportunity in the circumstances in which we find ourselves in to either be fearful or full of faith. And he gives us the opportunity to exchange fear for faith. Are you going to do that this morning? Exchange your fear for faith and then see God win your battles for you. 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, another word for dismayed is discouraged. I wonder how many of us here, you don't have to put your hand up, how many have been discouraged? I mean, I have to admit, I've been there a few times. And if the enemy can discourage you, it means you'll probably end up giving up. That's what he wants. So refuse to be discouraged. Actually have to take authority over that. Say, I will not be dismayed. I will not be discouraged because at the end of the day, Jesus is the victor. And the Bible says that we are more than conquerors in and through Christ Jesus. We are overcomers in his name. So you have to declare that stuff over you. Do not be discouraged because if you do, you're allowing the enemy to gain hold, to gain ground in your life and your situations. So God is greater than anything that we're facing today. What happened next? So the story concludes, verse 20. They rose early in the morning. They went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. 
Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And when they had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. That's a great thing. If you're in a a time of difficulty, just repeat that scripture over your life. Give thanks to the Lord. His steadfast love endures forever. And then the crux of the matter. When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who'd come against Judah so that they were routed. Hallelujah. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they'd made an end to the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped destroy one another. So the big army coming against them started fighting against each other and destroyed each other. Isn't that amazing? You see, instead of taking a section of the army and hiding them in ambush, I don't believe that happened. Some scholars have written that I don't believe that because I believe God won that battle for them. I believe that it was angelic hosts that took on this enemy. And we know angels are real, don't we? Amen. Uh, We're not going to get into that subject this morning, but they're very, very real. And we know that certainly we've read about how destructive an angel can be against an enemy. We know that um, how an enemy destroyed thousands of people, thousands of soldiers uh, in Scripture. And I believe that as the people began to worship, then God moved. So what I want to say this morning is, I believe that our weapon of choice in our battle should be worship. As we worship, God moves. How hard it is to worship when we're in the most difficult of circumstances. How hard it is. And yet, it is our weapon that can overcome the enemy. As we worship God, His presence comes. As His presence comes, then He overcomes the enemy. So let your weapon of choice this morning be worship. Worship of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that wonderful Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, rose again on the third day, ascended into heaven, is now seated at the right hand of the Father and He's interceding for you and for me even now. Let's worship, even the darkest hour, worship. Look at Paul and Silas in prison. You read about in the New Testament. What did they do in the darkest hour? Worship. And what happened there? Well, the gates just blew off, you know? And and our situations that we're in, I'm telling you this morning, begin to worship and you'll get your breakthrough. Interesting that the words that they sang were from Psalm 116. Again, they're singing scripture. There's power in scripture. Let's, let's, you know, talk it out. Let's, Let's declare it. Let's sing it. It was one of the Hallel Psalms recited at Passover. So all the people would know the Psalms. And it was interesting because 
It was called a liturgical script, which means that there were speaking parts for the leadership, the eldership and the people. And so they would all declare these things and the people would declare after uh, they'd been prompted by the elders to say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. We need to be people of worship. We need to declare the truth over our situations and circumstances. And God who's for us, not against us, will fight our battles for us. So what can I say this morning? Not only will God fight your battles, but you'll also pick up the spoil of war. You'll get something back that the enemy has stolen. Because we read in the next few verses, how they went out and they collected the spoil. Three days they were collecting everything that was left on the battlefield. And it says in verse 26, on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Bekakar, for there they were blessed. Therefore the name of that place has been called the valley of Bekakar to this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat at their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets. Can you imagine that? Can you visualise that? This whole bunch of people, the women, the men, the children, just rejoicing in God. And he says they came uh, and the fear of the Lord came on the nations, uh, the countries where they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. If we do the right things, God will win the victory and people will get to hear about it. Because you know what? We're going to walk around our world, which is pretty miserable, pretty negative. We're going to walk around with joy. We're going to be the smile in the crowd of miserableness. And they're going to say, what on earth have you got? Whatever it is, I want it. Amen. If we go around with sour faces in defeat, the people out there are not going to want what we got. But we've got joy. The joy of our salvation, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So as we get God to win our battles for us, we can then testify to His goodness. And the world out there is going to say, I want what you've got. I want that joy. I want that peace. I want that sense of achievement and, and, and all the rest of it. We know this morning that the greatest battle on earth was won by Christ on the cross. And even in that, even in our circumstances, in our ill health, in our pain, whatever we are in this morning, we know we can still rejoice in the fact that our sins are forgiven and death is defeated. Hallelujah. The greatest victory won by the greatest victor, Jesus Christ, the name above all names. Can I encourage you this morning, if you're going through a battle, Pray, seek God's face and begin to worship. And let's see breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough because He is victorious. And through Him, we can be victorious too. Amen. Maybe the band could just come up right now. We're just going to conclude this in a moment or two. I don't know what your situation is. I know as a family, we're going through some, some battles right now and I'm pretty sure that a number of you might be facing battles as well. And so 
to conclude, what I want to do is to, to do really what Jehoshaphat did. And we're going to say a kind of prayer together that as you say it, I'm going to believe that you're going to get some breakthrough in it. Is that okay? Okay, so just while the band is setting up, I'm going to ask if you just repeat these words after me, everybody to repeat it, even if you're absolutely fine and you're at peace, because it's good to do this together. And I want you to do this not quietly. All right, I know, I know you can be a little bit noisy now when you're talking. So let's be a bit noisy when we're praying. Okay, can you do that? All right. Okay, just repeat after me in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are almighty. You've helped me in the past. You have promised to be with me. I'm facing an attack. But I give the battle to you, God. I choose to stand firm. I choose to worship you. My battle now is now the Lord's, in Jesus' Name, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Home Church Scotland podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, feel free to get in touch with me. My email is dave at homechurch.scot.com.